0: You're listening to an Acts Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Acts Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axcamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the sermon. So we've been in the book of Acts, as most of you know, for a long time. And we're still in the book of Acts. And we have uh, finished chapter 18. We're moving into chapter 19, sort of the first part of Paul's missionary journey, his third missionary journey, okay? This is the, this is the third one that we've gone on. Uh, before I do that, I just want to ask, do you guys know any name droppers? You know what a name dropper is? Somebody who, like, you're, you're hanging out, you're talking about something, and they, they just mention that they know some famous person, or that they know, uh, you know, I, you're eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, like, I know the colonel, by the way, or whatever it is, <laughs> right? And you're like, uh-huh, sure you do. Um, spell colonel. No, you're, you're, you're uh, sort of, it's, it's sort of obvious, and it's, and, and it's kind of, um, oh, I don't know. It's not, it's not the most endearing quality for people who do it a lot, okay? I've been guilty of this. In fact, um, I've met Kylo Ren, and I have a picture here. So that's my name drop for the day. By the way, he was a total jerk. Um, they had, like, the talking thing, so it sounded, I don't know if you know who that is. If you've watched Star Wars, I see some blank faces like, who's Kylo Ren? Watch Star Wars, okay, or don't, but that's who he is. Anyway, that's not really name dropping. I just thought you'd enjoy seeing me and Kylo Ren together. Um, But people have a tendency to want to be associated with people who they think can bring them prestige or opportunity. That's just the facts. People like to say, I know so-and-so, I know so-and-so, I'm connected to so-and-so because they think that by using that person's name, somehow that's going to get them in a certain door or make them look good with somebody or have people think that they're cool. Whatever it is, that's why people do it. And here's the thing, there are people who use the name of Jesus that way. There are people who use Jesus' name in order to open doors or have opportunity or to look a certain way or to get people to think about them a certain way. And we're going to see in the passage today that those who name drop Jesus without a relationship with Jesus, it does not go well for them. And so let's get into it. We're going to begin with the first part of the first verse of Acts 19. It says, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Now. If you'll remember from chapter 18, we had just met Apollos. He had been trained in Ephesus by Priscilla and Aquila, right? He was, he was preaching the word, but he didn't know it fully. So Priscilla and Aquila had sort of discipled and trained him. And then he actually went to Corinth where Paul and Priscilla and Aquila had been before they came to Ephesus last time. Don't get confused here, but that's, that's where they were. He went there, and now Paul has shown up in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a huge city. Okay, a major, major city in the Roman world. It's the capital, it's the seat of government in the Roman province of Asia. Okay, very wealthy uh, city, very big city, about a quarter million people or so. This was the home of the temple of Artemis which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, This was a center for idol worship, for magical, like, occultist practices. That was huge. It was a huge part of the culture in this area. And last time, last chapter, we actually saw Paul in Ephesus for a short time, and I will remind you of that Before we move into this passage, it was in chapter 18, verses 19 through 21. It says, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. So we had Paul, a little different than normal, where he goes into a synagogue and they're actually like, Yeah, hang out, stay with us for a while. And he left. Usually he comes in, they say, get out of here, and he has to leave. This time they actually wanted him to stay, but he still left, right? And he said, I'll come back. And so that's what we have here. He's come back to Ephesus, to these people who were at least at the time willing to listen to what he wanted to teach, what he wanted to preach, okay? So uh, we have, they have not rejected Paul in the synagogue yet. Let's see what he does. We come through the rest of that verse and through verse 4. It says, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So we have these disciples, okay? These are, they're called disciples. They're not called disciples of John. These are disciples of Jesus. They just don't know anything about him. Right? All they know is that he was going to be coming. These may have been people who were taught by disciples of John the Baptist. Remember, John was one looking forward to Jesus. John was preaching and doing a baptism. He's baptizing in the Jordan, baptizing repentance to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Right? That's what John was doing. And so, Some of his disciples may have gone out far and wide, may have, may have met these people in Ephesus. They've taught them that Jesus was coming, but they actually don't know anything about the fact that Jesus did come had his ministry, died for our sins, was risen from the dead, and that the Holy Spirit had come at Pentecost. They know none of this, none of these things. So these disciples are sort of stumbling around in the dark. And so Paul is going to explain this to them, what happened. Let's read verses 5 through 7. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So, Paul explains it to them. Their immediate reaction to hearing about Jesus is, that's really good news, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, that the church has been going for all these years in the power of the Holy Spirit. Immediately, they get baptized. We have the sign of the, uh, that the Holy Spirit was present, and that they were prophesying, they were speaking in tongues, and this was, an, this was an opportunity for them to become fully in Christ. For you all, when you come to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Since Pentecost, that's the way it's been. These guys didn't have that yet because they didn't really know who Christ was and what he had done. Now they do. Now these disciples are fully Christians, fully walking with the Lord, fully following him. And there was about 12 of them, okay? So this is the first thing that Paul does that we read about here in Ephesus. Next, verses 8 through 10. It says, And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul goes back to the synagogue. Remember, they had said, come on back and talk to us. We want to hear more. So for three months they heard him. Three months he's teaching, he's persuading, right? He's in there, he's teaching the word, and people assume they are coming to know the Lord. But there are some, as we've seen, basically everywhere else Paul's been, almost everywhere else, there are some who don't like it, who harden themselves, who stop listening. And they don't just stop listening, they start causing trouble. Paul recognizes this is going to be an issue, and so he leaves. But he doesn't just leave, he takes the disciples with him. So Paul and all the believers, all the Christ followers, exit the synagogue. And he goes to a place called the school of Tyrannus, the school of Tyrannus. Now, we don't know exactly where that was. We know it was in Ephesus, and we don't know everything about the circumstances. But there there are some who say essentially what Paul did here was he rented out a school, okay, rented out room in a school to teach. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. We're still doing that to this day. So we're, you know, we're just like Paul. Right? This is not the school of Tyrannus, but it's a school. And that's what he did. He used what he had so he could teach. And he taught every single day. Paul's teaching every single day. He's teaching, and those people are learning, and those people are talking, and it's going out and out in this entire province of Asia, ends up hearing the gospel as a result of these couple of years of Paul preaching the word, ministering in that city. Okay? Now, this is an amazing thing, in my opinion, that it could reach so far right. No internet, right? Nothing like that. No mass communication ability. One guy in a school building every day preaching the word. And it it spread so far and wide that the entire province of Asia is able to hear the gospel through what Paul did faithfully. Not just Paul, but all the believers that were there faithfully day after day after day after day after day. It didn't happen in one day. It didn't happen in two days. It says he was there for two years. Okay? In the same way, as believers, as a church, we have to do that. Every single day, faithful, faithful, faithful. And we will see the results. God is not going to let his word be squashed. It's going to go out. If you're faithful, he's going to be faithful to use you and your ministry as you do this. And we'll see an amazing thing like we see here happen here. Because believe it or not, even though we live in a nation where there's a lot of cultural Christianity, there are a whole lot of people who know nothing about Jesus who know nothing about the Holy Spirit, who know nothing about Christianity, who know nothing about what it means to follow Christ, except maybe what they hear on the news or something like that. And so we have the same obligation that he had to teach effectively, to love effectively, and to do it every single day. It's that daily work, that daily work over a period of years that God used to spread the gospel far and wide. Okay, so let's go to the next part. We see uh, verse 11 and 12, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then, so oh, let's stop there, because that, that's what I actually want to talk about. This is weird, okay? This is, this is a strange thing. These people are taking handkerchiefs, which are basically probably like the sweat rags, that Paul's using as he's, remember he's a tent maker, he's working, he's going to wear like an apron because he's a a workman, he's working with leather tents and so on, he's wiping the sweat off his face, he's putting this stuff down, and someone's grabbing that and going and taking it to their relative or whatever, and the person's getting healed, okay? This is a uh, very strange thing that we see only here, only here, and so let's talk for a second about descriptive and prescriptive. We've talked many times about this. Some things and acts are descriptive. This is what happened. Some things and acts are prescriptive. This is what you ought to do. In this case, there's a very important word that's used, unusual. These were unusual miracles, okay? They're not normal. God worked in this way at that time in the city of Ephesus for some reason we don't know. We don't know why. We know they were uh, superstitious. We know that there were issues like that. We don't know exactly why, but we know what God was doing ultimately is he was showing that the power of Christ in this place was stronger than all this other stuff, all these other little superstitions that they had, okay? But it was not Paul's sweat that was healing anybody, just so we're clear. They didn't take the handkerchief, and the handkerchief wasn't, it was, this is not magic or something. It says it was the power of God that God worked these miracles, okay? It was the probably God working for the faith of those who believed on the name of Jesus, and the, the, the handkerchiefs and stuff were just a part of what was happening there, okay? They weren't magic. They weren't anything like that. Please do not take this as prescriptive and go fetch one of the elders of this church's Kleenex out of the trash can and take it to your sick aunt, okay? It's not going to work. Okay, it's just, you're just going to look weird, okay? We're, this is not the way that things work for us now. We have one instance of this that went on at this time, but what it did do is it showed the power of the kingdom of God was coming to force in Ephesus. All these people were coming to know him. All right, 1913. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Okay, so there's some guys, they go around, their job is basically casting evil spirits out. That's their job, okay? And they are basically saying, we can see that Paul and, the, and Jesus, and who is preaching these Christians, that, that, that there's power there, that they're able to do this thing. And so we're just going to sort of use that name and see if it can be effective for us. Well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It says, also there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. It did not work out well for these guys, right? Because they come in and they say, oh, this this Jesus who Paul preaches, and this evil spirit's like, you don't know Jesus. I know who who Jesus is. I'm afraid of him. And Paul, his servant, I'm afraid of him. But I'm not afraid of you. I can see that you have nothing to do with him. And so they got a beat down. They got a beat down and they left. And this was so, such a huge story that went around all over Ephesus, all over the city, that people said, whoa, Jesus does have power. And they learned not to name drop Jesus when you have no relationship with Jesus because that did not work out well for them. When they tried to just use Jesus like he was some sort of a spell or something. They tried to use the power of his name, but they didn't know him. Even the evil spirit knew that they didn't know him, right? That they didn't have the Holy Spirit, that they weren't working in that. And so the evil spirit wasn't afraid. And they got a beat down. Let's see what it did to the church, though. This is very interesting. 18 through 20. It says, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totals 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Who were the people who were coming confessing? The believers. The believers were coming and confessing. This actually wasn't people from outside came in confessing. The believers came in confessing. The believers were the ones who had these magic books. They were the ones who were still wrapped up. I told you that the city culturally was very caught up in these like occultic and magic practices and things like that. And these believers had come to the Lord, but they had not gotten rid of these cultural things, these things from before they knew the Lord that they had been dealing with for a long time, and they still had them. They, they were hanging on to them. They wouldn't let them go. This incident here where they saw the power of Jesus fully was a turning point for them where they knew that there was no way for them to continue to hold on to those things from their culture, those things from their past that they were keeping. Now, 50,000 pieces of silver, let me give you an idea here, okay? We don't know exactly when he says pieces. The the translation does not make it perfectly clear what the size of this was. It's very possible it was a daily wage, okay? A daily wage would be a piece of silver, in which case we're talking about millions of dollars. It's possible it was somewhat less, but either way you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars, possibly several million dollars. Now, that tells you a couple things. First of all, it tells you how serious and how ingrained into this stuff, into these magic books, into these, remember, the temples all over the place and all this other idol worship. It shows you how ingrained it was in the lives of the culture that even the believers were still holding on to this much stuff. It also shows you that when they gave it up, that there was a cost to their sacrifice to follow Jesus and, and bring their lifestyle into consistency with what it means to follow Christ. It says both of those things, Okay. The power of God had been shown to them, and they recognized they could not continue to do these things. And what was the result? What does it say? What does it say? The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The Ephesians had to get real. They had to get real. They had come to know the Lord, but they had hung on to a lot of stuff. And the thing that's interesting is that it says they came confessing and telling of their deeds. What does that mean? It means that no one knew what their deeds were. It means they were secret. These weren't the things that they were doing outrightly in front of everybody. These were the things that were happening secretly. And they had to come out and bring them into the light. And, they, and, and the cost was enormous, as you can see, financially. And yet when it was done, the ministry flourished. Now there are a couple things that I want to talk about today that are connected to the passages that we just read. Um, and they have a, a lot to do with this last part of what we just read. Um, the Ephesian believers had to learn something important about serving the Lord in obedience. They had to learn something important. They had to get to the point where they were willing to put away the things that they had held onto from their culture and from their former lifestyle that were inconsistent with living as a Christ follower. The things that were inconsistent with living as a Christ follower. I used to play softball. Um, I, I went to a church, I was a member of a church um, and I, in Tennessee and I played softball with them and I, and I really wanted to be a good softball player because it was fun, I enjoyed it, we take our families out to the park and, and, and have a great time, we play against other people um, from the community and so on and, and I loved doing it and I wanted to be really good at it, but there was another thing that I also wanted. I also really liked to eat and to not exercise because you know, donuts, right? Um, and eating too much and not exercising meant that I couldn't be that good of a softball player because the two things were inconsistent with one another. If I wanted to be really good at this athletic thing, I had to give up this other thing. And because often I didn't give up this other thing, often I wasn't that good at the athletic thing. Please don't go look for videos of that if anybody's put anything on Facebook from when I played softball. But... There's all kinds of things, right? I wanted, to be a good, I wanted to be a good student when I was a student, a good husband, a good father, all these things. But at, at different times or at different points, I've had other things in my lifestyle or other things that were going on that were inconsistent with me being good at those things or being successful at those things, right? When you have a goal, your actions have to lead you to that goal. Your actions have to be consistent with reaching that goal. If you're a Christ follower, you can't have things going on in your life that are inconsistent inconsistent with being successful. as a Christ follower. The Ephesians did. They had something in the way between them and God, between really falling, between really maturing, between really growing. They had all this secret sin, all this secret sin. Now, all of us are going to have to make choices about our lifestyles in lots of areas, okay? But if we want to grow in the Lord, if we want to have maturity, we cannot hold on to the secret things that are inconsistent with growing in the Lord. We cannot hold on to those. We cannot have sin in our lives, and we cannot have sin in the camp. Now, there's a story, if you you want to read it for yourself, um, in Joshua 7. And basically what happened is the Lord had defeated Jericho for the Israelites, but he had said, "Don't, don't take any of these accursed things that are there. Don't do it. Do not do it. It will bring, it'll bring sin into your camp if you do that. And some guy, of course, right? Some guy goes in. He sees some stuff that he likes. He takes it. He hides it. It's in secret. Then Joshua sends some guys out to go defeat this small town, and they get whooped. And Joshua's going, what happened? What happened? And God's like, you have sin in the camp. Somebody did something they weren't supposed to do, and they brought sin into your camp. And so you're not going to thrive while well, you have sin in the camp. We have an issue, right, for ourselves individually, in our own homes, and in the church, that we need to make sure we don't have sin in the camp, whether it's in our own personal walk with the Lord, whether it's in our home, or whether it's in the church. All of those things need to go. We're about to move locations, right? We're about to go do something new. This is a great time for us to self-assess, to look at our hearts and see whether there are hidden things there. To see whether there are secret things there. What's going on when no one else is looking? Are there still things that we're holding on to? Things we don't want to let go of? And I think the Lord wants to work on us today, this morning, about that. He wants us to ask ourselves, what's going on? Are there sins? Are there secret sins? Are there things that we don't tell anybody else about? Because if we want the ministry to flourish, if we want to be mature... We can't be a church full of secret sins, okay? Beyond the obvious hypocrisy of such a thing, the Lord wants to work through us, and we can't have things separating us from him. We're supposed to be a holy people set apart so that we can serve our community. The Ephesians realized this. They confessed their secret sins. They burned their evil books, and the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. I want the, the word of the Lord to grow mightily and prevail here in Camas, in Vancouver, in this area. I want that to happen. And I know I've got, a, I've got a, a blueprint for it right here. We've got to look at what's going on. We've got to give up those things. Those things that maybe we've been holding on to that maybe we ignore the Lord when he talks to us about. It. Whatever they are, we've got to give it up. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to confess it. We've got to repent. We've got to be redeemed. We've got to be redeemed. It's time for us to be obedient. Every one of us me and you, all of us to be obedient, to be searching our hearts. He's searching our hearts and our thoughts and asking the Lord to show us any secret sin that's keeping us from being close to him, from maturing in him, and from moving forward as an individual, as families, as a church. All right. God wants to forgive and redeem. I'm not telling you this so you feel all guilty. That's not the point. I'm telling you this because I know the joy and the beauty of forgiveness in the Lord, okay? 1 John um, 1, 5 through 10 says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Listen, if you're feeling somewhat uncomfortable right now, that's good. Let the Lord work in you to bring to your mind and to your heart those things that it's time to get rid of and to let go of. These people and their, their, you know, things that they had hidden. They were a deep part of their culture. They were something that they had grown up with. They were something they had known all their lives. That's the way things went. When they came to the Lord, they didn't just automatically lose those things. But eventually, the Lord called them to be serious, to take that next step and to put that stuff away, to put that nonsense away, and to confess and to be forgiven. Listen, as we move forward and we drop the baggage of any secret sin that's in our lives, It is a beautiful and a wonderful thing to confess, to repent, and to be forgiven. I'm just going to read you Psalm 32. I'm going to read you the whole psalm because it's beautiful. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, right, when it was secret... My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Say, law. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Say, law. For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Say, Allah, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be the only way that we ever turn from anything, the only way that we ever grow, the only way that we ever mature is that the Lord has to yank us around Like an animal with a bit and a bridle. That's not who you want to be. You want to come to him willingly, confessing, coming near to him, without him having to go through the process of chasing you to get you there. Now, I've been on both sides of that. I can tell you the one where I come near by myself is much more comfortable than the bit and bridle style. Okay? Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. We need to be serious right now. We need to be serious about our sin. We need to clean the camp in our hearts, in our minds, in our homes, and in Christ's church. We're going to have an opportunity in a moment to reflect and act on what I'm talking about right now. We're going to get a chance to spend some time with the Lord. Second thing I want to talk about before we get there is name-dropping Jesus name-dropping Jesus. Uh, I'm not talking here about simple hypocrisy where we say we follow Jesus but we have sin in our lives. That's the other thing I was just talking about. I'm talking about pretending. I'm talking about pretending to follow Jesus or using Jesus as a way for our own gain. Uh, These seven sons didn't know Jesus. They just wanted to use the power of his name to get something that they wanted to help them with their business basically with what they were doing. They were just name-dropping Jesus. They didn't know him and they didn't serve him. This is what Jesus says will happen with some people. This is going to happen. Matthew 7, 15 through 23. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Now, listen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We can't name drop. Jesus. It's relationship or nothing. The last thing you want to be doing is going name-dropping Jesus in this moment at the judgment. Oh, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. Now, I say that you're Lord, but I don't do what you've called me to do. When I was in front of people, when it would get me again, when it was good for me, I pretended. But in the dark, I did what I wanted. That needs to come to the light for all of us. That needs to come out. We need to confess and repent and be forgiven for those things. We don't want to name drop Jesus. I'm specifically talking about those who don't know Jesus at all. There are people who go to church and say the right things and use the name of Jesus for their own gain. Especially in places where cultural Christianity is really popular. That's not as much here, but some places, look, you can't sell cars or have clients or whatever unless you go to the first whatever church of that town. And so you go there and you pretend and you say the right things and you shake the right hands, but, you, but your heart is far from the Lord. That can happen here too. Look, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a real relationship with him and you're pretending to, or you're not pretending to, if you don't know him, today's the day. Today is the day to confess your sin, to repent, and to follow Jesus for real, and know that you know him, and know that he knows you. That on that day, when you say, Lord, Lord, he's going to say, child, child. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear. Today is the day. The day is the day to become his child. Today is the day to enter into peace and blessing and joy in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, that's for you today. Okay? Don't live a lie and name drop. Today is the day to choose to truly follow Christ and to know that you are his both now and in eternity. Okay. Um, If this is the call for you, whether that's some things that need to be repented, or if that's you need to come to know Jesus today, you're going to have your chance right now to act. I'm going to ask the elders, maybe some of the deacons to sort of come up front here on the sides. I'm going to ask the band to come up Behind me and play a song. If you have secret sin, or even not secret sin, okay? If you have sin, you need to ask the Lord, and if you're ready to confess and repent and receive forgiveness and move forward from this place today, fresh and clean and forgiven, now is the time to speak to the Lord and confess, okay? If you do not know the Lord, if you are not following Him, if you are letting doubts cloud your mind, Reach out to Jesus now. Let him make himself real to you and follow him. Listen, You can come and talk to one of the elders and deacons or you can stay in your seat or you can come up to the front, kneel, and just pray in the front here with the Lord by yourself and and tell them you don't need any prayer. I would encourage those of you who are out here, if people are coming up, that you would come up and pray with them also. Okay, We're going to have this time. We're going to play a song. We're going to take some time for people if you want to. There's something real in stepping forward and making that physical act of stepping forward and our act of repentance to get ourselves right as a church before we go, before we move forward. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Acts Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out, and we'll catch you again next week.